Welcome to the Akashic Reading Podcast, presented by AkashicReading.com, the place where you can learn to access your soul's wisdom, or at least stop digging the hole any deeper. I'm your host, Terry Uctana, and today we'll be taking a deep dive into how to end contracts and connections with people who are not good for us. Because not every relationship, interaction, or experience we have is fated, karmic, or a lesson. There are a lot of reasons why relationships of all kinds can need to end. We might learn the lesson or come to an impasse where we and they aren't going to learn it, and so losses need to be cut. The reason we may have come together has been fulfilled, such as to produce children, create a bridge between two people who wouldn't have otherwise met, facilitate the beginning or unfolding of something, enforcing something so the other person will finally go through it to get out the other side, and on and on and on. Relationships can also need to end because they're never meant to be or because what they have become is 180 degrees from what was intended or they've turned negative, abusive, evil, or even deadly. However, just because they need to end doesn't mean this actually happens. I work with scores of clients who remain in failed relationships years or even decades after they themselves had intended to leave and had noted in their soul book they should leave. I work with others who leave time and time again, only to be pulled back into a relationship, going through the cycle dozens of times over a period of years, constantly trying to get away, get their feet under them and start creating a new life, only to be dragged backwards in a haze of demands, entreaties, and promises of how changed everything is and how it'll be different this time. The message in spiritual community currently is we create our reality, and so whatever situation we're in, We're creating it, responsible for it, and need to learn the lessons from it so we can move on. This message ignores the fact all human beings have free will, and so we cannot possibly be responsible for the behavior of others, nor the effects of their actions. While we're responsible for our own choices, thoughts, intentions, and actions, this is only half the equation in any relationship. So it would be better to think of ourselves as co-creating our reality with others specifically and the greater universe more generally while seeing ourselves as responsible for only our portion of this co-creation. What this allows is the alleviation of victim blaming within the first statement and the creation of space to see both parties as participating in the situation. Once we can do this, we can start to tease apart the Gordian knot so we can gain clarity as to the truth of where we are, how we got there, and what can be done to get us back out again. There's a second message in spiritual community that if a relationship is not working, abusive, negative, dangerous, we call this in for a purpose, need to be responsible, etc. Again, this gives us amazing powers over others, moving them like chess pieces in and out of our lives as if they had no interest, agency, or free will of their own. If we were this powerful in relationships, most of us would have soulmates, there would be no relationship issues, dating sites, or war of the sexes. If we were this powerful, we would all be happily in the relationship which best suits us and living happily ever afterwards. And this notion of not getting what you want but getting what you need only seems real if most of our needs are already getting met. For those who are starving, surviving genocide, living in fear because of totalitarian regimes, surviving racism, inequality, or a life so hopeless mass suicide seems like a viable solution, 
the notion becomes ludicrous or even cruel. Stepping back from all this, the one thing we can say about ourselves is human beings are social. We are meant to interconnect and are only healthy in some form of interconnection. As souls, we live without form, without boundaries, constantly intermingling as a form of communication, where thoughts are the deed and interacting is sharing thoughts and emotions between each other instantaneously. Becoming embodied is a choice to curtail this level of communication for one which is at the same time more separate and yet allows for even greater connection. As a soul, we must constantly monitor and mediate our feelings and thoughts because we don't wish to harm or overwhelm the other. I liken this to living pastel. Everything is gentle and kind, everything is love, but also blunted. We're constantly using our indoor voices and not allowing us to feel any extreme because in feeling it, we force others to feel it as well. In embodied life, we can think and feel as much as we want in any given moment and no one is impacted or harmed until or if we act on those thoughts or feelings. This means we must move outside ourselves to create connection rather than it being an automatic function of existing. Because of our encasement, we are a bit like turtles, showing only small bits of ourselves to the outside world in any given moment. We have the ability to keep ourselves shielded and can withdraw in any situation even if we're unable to remove ourselves physically. The same is also true of any other person we interact with. We only see what they present even when we've lived with them intimately for decades. We can't know fully their intent, their motivations, or their end goal. We have to trust them if we wish to interconnect and create relationship. To be in relationship requires we be vulnerable. To relate, to interconnect, means we allow others to see more of us to move beyond the outer layers of our shell and gain access to our softer, less protected bits. This is normal and healthy. Unfortunately, in this world, there are people who will take advantage of vulnerability. Some do so because they don't realize this is what they're doing. Others do so knowing it's inappropriate but feel justified, while there are some who do so knowingly and with the intent to harm. With all of these, it's important to remember our having interconnected with them is our responsibility. Their behaviors are not. Also, and possibly more significant, is the fact that while the relationship might have been caused by our calling it in, it might not. It's possible we're being victimized without our spiritual consent, without any lesson having been preplanned or any karmic motive. We may be collateral damage in a lesson which they're learning or enacting. This doesn't mean we don't learn, grow, and become due to the experience. We can't not. However, it does mean searching for greater meaning in the relationship, for some reason why, which is highly significant to our spiritual development, or something broken within us which needs to be fixed, will only bring us more suffering. We're meant to connect. And when someone takes advantage of that fact, the shame, blame, and responsibility belongs to them. So whether the relationship was meant to be and needs to be completed, or whether it was never intended and we need to stop any further damage, there are things we can do to end it and return ourselves to ourselves. For the sake of discussion, I've divided these into three general groups. Vampires, entanglements, and the not-so-savory. There are more categories to discuss than this, some of which I've touched on in previous podcasts and others such as domestic violence and where evil is involved, but they deserve more than a brief mention, so I've set them aside for today. Also, 
Each relationship is unique and each person brings unique features to it. So keep in mind, no resolution will be one size fits all or work off the rack. With entanglements, there are relationships where nothing goes wrong, but nothing goes right either. All the potential is there, but nothing seems to reach a resolution. Like a car which gets stuck on ice, things neither move forward nor back. They just slide around while the wheels spin and get no traction. This can happen for a number of reasons. In a relationship, there needs to be give and take, a rhythm of interaction back and forth, and if both are givers or both are takers in this situation, then nothing works and each moves at cross purposes to the other. It also might be that one partner has a narcissistic focus and sees the potential of the relationship and is excited for what doors it can open for them while they leave it up to their partner to be responsible for figuring out what it might mean for them. Or it might be one partner feels better when the other is less grounded and has their energy stirred up through confusion and disorientation and so keeps the drama going. In these situations, the problems are rarely intentional. At worst, they're a bit opportunistic and selfish. The difficulty is that due to the disordered and chaotic nature of the relationship, it's hard to disconnect. It's a bit like trying to get away from an octopus. Each time you peel off one tentacle, another slaps into place. This can cause us to be unable to manifest because our energy is constantly engaged with the other. It can change how our energy works, moving us out of being in service to being in constant triage and assessment. It can keep us from walking forward on our path exacerbate existing conditions on any and all levels, and much more. Trying to have a direct conversation with the other person can feel futile, as they don't understand the effect they're having and often simply shrug off any responsibility or need to resolve something they don't see as a problem. And the effects can last long after the physical contact has ended. To resolve entanglements requires what I call clean and wrap. First, all interaction with the person needs to be ended or limited as much as possible if there are legal requirements or children involved. This includes social media, emails, letters, or any form of communication, both active and passive. Then begins the cleaning. Remove all items which have any connection with the person. If there are things you can't actually part with for other reasons, put them in storage and keep them there until the relationship is long passed over and there's no more charge around it. Then clean yourself. This can be done in a variety of ways, from smudging, to ritual bath or shower, to going into moving water, such as a creek or river, going into the ocean, or doing something such as a sweat lodge or other purification ritual. Once you're clean, you can begin wrapping. Wrapping, for you, includes assessing what needs healing and or repair, and beginning the process with as much love and compassion as you would give to those you love. You deserve it just as much. This is something which should be ongoing while your heart heals. Wrapping for the other is a bit like wrapping a package to send someone. Take all the feelings you still have for the person, all the what could have beens and the whys, wrap them up and send them back to the person. Truly let them go as if sending a package and don't put any effort or intention into receiving any reply. Ship it off and allow the universe to take care of it in the best way possible. When you feel ready, you can undo your wrappings and reemerge refreshed, different, more experienced, and better able to engage in the world. With the not-so-savory, these relationships are more common than they should be, unfortunately, and include things such as alcoholism, various addictions, emotional absence or abuse, inequality, which includes dominance and control, refusing to be responsible or taking all responsibility in the partnership, 
as well as gaslighting and other types of dysfunction. Sometimes these things are tragic because they aren't intentional on anyone's part. Sometimes a person's path can take a dark turn. How they start working through their issues can be devastating for everyone involved, like leaking radiation. And it's nearly impossible to stop the downward descent which they're on. Other times, the situation can be opportunistic because the perfect storm of personalities and situational factors fosters the meltdown of the connection. But often, the person knows they want to get away with something or they know there's something they will need to get away with. They hide the truth behind the right words, the right gestures, and then let go of the mask at some point when they think it's too late for you to do anything about it. Luckily, there are always things which can be done, no matter how long it's been, how entwined things are, or how difficult it might seem. To resolve these situations is a bit more complicated than entanglements. Before cleaning, there needs to be separation, by which I mean sorting out what is yours from what is not. Not-so-savory relationships come with a large portion of sleight of hand, misdirection, and deflection, so it can be confusing to figure out what is truly yours from what is theirs. Add to this our desire to interconnect, to help and support, and you have what can seem like everything has been put through a blender. However, it's important to remember we are co-creating our lives in each moment. We still have free will and still make choices, so we can choose to remove and extricate ourselves. For this step, I definitely recommend getting help of some kind, as outside eyes can see clearly what you can't. Whether this is a group of friends, a therapist, a life coach, or a spiritual advisor, or even a colleague having outside perspectives will allow you to start sorting out what is you from what is not. Once this is done, extricating yourself is the next step. You can't clean until you're clear of the situation. For example, cleaning when you're still living with a person is an exercise in futility. So work to get yourself in a safe and stable place. Somewhere that's yours and where you can stay while you heal yourself and return to your own life again. Often, people escape to a temporary place, but the strain of it being temporary makes it unstable and puts pressure on the person to return in order to have stability, even if it's abusive. Once separation and extrication have happened, then cleaning, a more industrial form of cleaning, needs to happen. Afterwards, you can wrap, although wrapping them might include a stronger wrapping, such as legal action or even a binding ceremony of some kind. If they're intentionally attempting to cause dysfunction and to control you, binding might be necessary to end their influence and keep them from ensnaring you any further. Then there's vampires. These connections appear to be relationships, but in fact are not. People who are vampires use others, steal from them, setting them up like tools or resources. Like fictional vampires, they'll present themselves as being available to connection and will make relationship with them seem enticing. This happens not only in partnerships, but also with those in positions of authority. This is unfortunately common in spiritual community, where someone presents themselves as a teacher or guru or healer and gathers students to them only to use those students for energy, money, power, or entitlement. They may churn up drama on a regular basis in order to swoop in as the hero and resolve things. They may create sexual tension and warp sexuality into their lessons for their own gratification. Or they may turn teachings into pyramid schemes so students start generating more students and more opportunities for the leader to benefit. We see these behaviors in all strata of life, one of the most cliché being the casting couch in the entertainment community. In interpersonal relationships, we see this where one person does all the work and the other gets all the benefits. 
One person will feel constantly emotionally and physically drained, will feel their increasingly worse day over day, year over year, and their life becomes less and less their own as they're corralled like livestock into a life which is designed to use them up while fully and solely benefiting the other. In any of these cases, the awareness that vampirism is going on usually brings with it a blinding flash of insight which does the separation step for you. All at once you realize what is yours and what is not. It's usually easy to see because it's fairly all or nothing. None of it is yours. This also makes getting clear of the situation straightforward as well. Usually what's frightening or stressful is that part of the vampire's actions are to take away the other person's ability to stand on their own two feet. This will show up as having been cut off from family and friends, being without clear access to finances, or having any means of generating them, and being without immediate resources. Getting out of the situation means having the courage and making the choice to retrieve these things which have been taken away. It sometimes means starting over from scratch. The vampire will do whatever they wish and feel is necessary to prevent this, but in the end, there's little they can do once you know who and what they are. In choosing to act on your own behalf and for your own well-being, you become the sunlight which shines on them, making it nearly impossible for them to do any further harm without damage to themselves as well. Once you're clear, you can then start the cleaning and healing processes as I outlined before. With a vampire, I don't recommend wrapping them any more than I would recommend swaddling a tiger. Any interaction with them invites negative consequences. For vampires, it's best to go straight to binding so they can do no further harm to you. There are many different binding ceremonies which you can use, so choose one which feels right to you. Of course, along with binding, you should also make sure they have no further access to you, such as getting restraining orders, hiring lawyers, and so on. Make sure you're open and honest about your situation and your story when it comes to the people you love and trust. The more light you shine on the situation, the less harm they can inflict by turning people against you. This might mean removing yourself from the company of people you care about who don't believe you or side with the vampire, but it may be in time some come to realize the truth of what happened and who you are so it can be trusted and connected with again in health and safety. In all three of these cases, I recommend ending the Akashic contract you have with the other person. This should be something you do as you're wrapping or binding them. There are many different ways to do this, but this is the one I recommend to my clients. As visual beings and souls living an embodied experience, the easiest and cleanest way to end a contract consciously is to do so through physical action. This focuses the energy and your intent while also utilizing Akasha to manifest the results both here and there. Make sure you are truly ready to end the contract, which means no further personal or emotional connection and or contact with the other. If you still work with the person or share custody of children, you can still do this as long as you keep your interactions at the purely functional or transactional level. So, one, choose a nice piece of paper, not something torn from a notebook or a scrap of something. Find a good pen, and not something broken from the bottom of a drawer or your purse. Then write, I, put your full name, do end this contract between myself and put a description of the person or as much of a name as you know, as of the state. Add anything you wish to say about the situation. Anything which is left unsaid or undone can be written here to complete the contract and the relationship fully. Then sign your name underneath what you've written. Two, fold the paper in fourths. 
So fold it once, then fold it again. Three, choose one of the following to complete the signing and end the contract. A, rip the paper into small pieces and flush it down the toilet. This is good for relationships which just need a bit of closure and finality. B, go outside, get a fire-safe container, then light the paper and allow it to burn completely. This is good for those who need a bit of a push or a purge. If there's anger and hard feelings, items such as pictures or other flammables can be added to this. Not only will the energy be transmuted, but there's the ashes-to-ashes ashes aspect of it, which allows our nervous system to let go of the energy we've been holding inside. C. Get a black pillar candle, which is 6 to 9 inches. This can be found in any party store, in the birthday section, under 40s and 50s, or online at places like Amazon. Scratch the name or title of the person into the candle. You don't need the full name. A nickname or the first name will do, as you're simply connecting the candle energetically to the paper you've written and the ending process. Have a candle holder prepared. I prefer hurricanes just because they contain any wax which might spill, but use what works best for you. Place the paper in the bottom of the holder, then set the candle firmly on top of the paper so the wax will melt onto it. Light the candle and let it burn down. You don't need to burn it continuously, please, fire safety. Um, you can snuff it and relight it as often as you need. Burn it till the candle is completely a nub and fully fused with the paper. Then dispose of the remains by either burying them away from your home or throwing them into moving water such as a river or the ocean. Once you've signed the Akashic contract as complete in any one of these ways, the relationship is forced to end and cannot continue unless you re-engage with it. It's physically ended and will be archived in the permanent records of the Akashic records, once both sides have been signed. For those who are suffering in a relationship, ending the contract can bring relief and a sense of hope for a more positive future. Ending this type of contract is a positive action because it brings healing not only to you, but to everyone associated with you and spreads healing out into the interconnected spiritual web of all that is. In this embodied life, we learn through experience. It's impossible to avoid transforming and becoming no matter how old, enlightened, or aware we are, which is as it should be. This doesn't mean every relationship, interaction, or experience we have is fated, karmic, or a lesson. We're social animals, and sometimes the socialization goes in directions we never intended, nor do we need. However, what we have connected, we can disconnect. We're turtles, and we have our own shell. Sometimes the best thing to do is tuck in and start taking ourselves down the path to a better tomorrow. And that's all the time we have this week. If you're interested in knowing more, check out my website, akashicreading.com. Thank you to my patron of honor this week, Laura Rowland. If you're enjoying this podcast, please consider supporting it by subscribing on Patreon. You can join in patron-only classes, see all my other offerings, and get regular updates about what I'm working on at patreon.com slash Thanks. Bye.